What is going on, everybody? Andy Christopher here, aka the DILF, the dad I listen to frequently. Oh my god, frequently. Shaking off some of the rust clearly as I took um a week off. And mostly because parenting's hard. Parenting is really, really hard with two kids. You don't have nearly as much time as you thought. So honestly, I couldn't find 20 minutes to record and just kind of kept stacking up. And then finally it was Thursday of last week. And Julia was just like, just, just relax. Don't, don't record one this week. Um, You know, your millions and millions of viewers can wait. If they love you, they will be there the following week. So thank you so much for joining us again on our latest rendition of the Dilf show. Um, Got a doozy of a show for you. Uh, not sure why I said doozy. It's not that supremely revolutionary, but it is um, something that's been, you know, prominent in my mind since Arlo has just been, um, you know, playing so much and he's so competent and he's almost three years old now. And what I wanted to talk about today are just games, games that all parents should know. And, um, you know, maybe there are games out there that we don't know about, but we play certain ones. And then, you know, I did a little bit of research on some games that other parents play, got a little bit of feedback and just wanted to give you at least a starting point to playing with your toddlers. And as I've, I've mentioned and touched on this before, but Arlo being born during COVID really, made things very different for our relationship. And I believe in a very positive way. I looked online and I think it was on Instagram. There was a statistic that said back in, back from a study done in, I don't know if it was 1970 or 1980, um, there was a poll taken and 43% of fathers claimed and were apparently quite proud of the fact that they'd never changed their children's diaper before. Not one diaper at all. And I was truly, truly blown away by this because, I mean, we change change diapers all the time, very frequently here in this household. And, you know, sometimes it's double digits per day with Alina just pooping up a storm as a a two-month-old. But... Um, I was just dumbfounded at how that could come to pass. And now the the kicker to the study was that now, or at least this was back in 2021, same questions to you know current fathers. Have you ever changed a diaper before? And it only came back as 3% said that they'd never changed one. So the whole dynamic of of fatherhood and being a parent has shifted and changed dramatically. And to me, I believe it's for the better and for the the strength of the family and for the betterment of the kids, because now you really have two present parents uh, as opposed to what appears to be just one. And I've spoken with, you know, some parents of friends and they just have such differing views of their children's upbringing and, you know, things like discipline and things like mealtime. And it's just the whole landscape has evolved is what I'm getting at. And 
I think that COVID really brought to light the fact that your kids need both of you and you need to make sure that they're getting as many doses of both of you at an early age as possible. And Julia goes back to work next week from paternity leave and on the calendar, it's just, it's marked as doomsday. And we have had so many great interactions and so much time. Arlo is just embracing this role as big brother with such fervor. And he's so passionate about taking care of Alina. It's truly tremendous. And um, it's going to be another learning curve when when she goes back because with her schedule, she's a week on at the hospital, a week off from the hospital. And I work from home, yes, but I now have an office to go into as well. And so a couple times a week, I, I look to get into the office. And so we're looking for the additional help, but I refuse. One of my non-negotiables is I refuse to just become absentee in terms of, well, we've already had the one kid and, you know, kid kiddo number two is here. We know how to kind of skate by and get by. And I'm going to, I'm just going to go into the office and completely neglect those responsibilities. I, I didn't have that choice to make during COVID because we were just at home. Everyone was at home. And so it showed me the light in terms of how to be engaged and be present with my child. And I'm not going to let that go. I refuse for that to be standard operating procedure within our family. And I am grateful for that opportunity. And I always have it prominent and right up on my board. You know, family time is protected. And I don't want to just be half assing it, looking at my phone, doing work items or doing frivolous items that have no relevance to anything. Julia. Julia always gives me shit for how much time I've spent and devoted to fantasy sports, fantasy football, fantasy basketball. And until I actually took a step back and put that time under the microscope and really brought my screen time to light for my own eyes, I could justify it as, well, you're on your phone too, or I'm just doing this quick thing for work or this and that. But then next thing you know, it does turn into just mindless scrolling and you, I, I, I found another statistic that said when you're trying to split your focus and when you, people justify this as multitasking, when you try to split your attention between two or more things, your IQ drops 10 points. Okay. doesn't seem that substantial, but as a point of reference, when you're high, you know, when, when you've smoked, um, you know, marijuana or the doobies, whatever you want, however you want to call it, when you've smoked, your IQ only drops five points. So let that information sink in that when you're trying to do multiple things and you're not devoting your full attention to the task at hand or to the person at hand, you are five points dumber than if you were stoned. That's pretty crazy, right? What a crazy t- statistic that is. So splitting your time and and using it as a crutch of justification that, you know, you're you're doing it for the family. You're you're giving a dumber self to your family by doing that. So 
set aside that time and protect it because unanimously everything I read, everything people talk about is that the first five years are just gone. They're gone in an instant and you can't get them back. And then you just start to play catch up for all the time that you've missed. And then it becomes this cruel, vicious cycle of you realizing that that time is gone, but never being able to get it back, then trying to cling to the new time that you're trying to get, but your kid wants to move on from you. And you missed your shot, so to speak. So always focus on the time in it that you have in the moment. And you know, if you have a 12-year-old, if you have a 15-year-old, if you have an 18-year-old, that time is still just as precious. But just know that it's so different than the time that you have when they're a year old, two years old, five years old. And they may not want anything to do with you at that point. And some people might see that as sad. You know, oh man, my, my kids don't need me. I look at it as I've prepared them for the next phase so well that they don't need to lean on me anymore. That is a point of pride. That is something that is going to be hard to grasp in the moment because you're going to want to crave the attention of your children as much as they need you right now. It's it's probably this cool bell curve. I'm sure there's literature or some study out there on that, but you're, you're going to want that attention just the same. And I know I've had a lot of conversations with my parents in terms of hopping on the phone and them not wanting to be intrusive and they want to they want to know what's happening, but they don't want to be invading my life and my time and, and this and that. And dude, I'm, I'm almost 40 and invade my time, you know, be that presence, be as involved as you can be for as long as you can be. And, you know, when my kids listen to this down the road, they're, they're going to, they're going to be embarrassed by me. They're going to be frustrated by me. They're going to be like, dad, just leave us the hell alone. Dude, just chill out. And um, I'll be the, I'll probably be one of those dads that thinks that he's, you know, really cool with their kids' friends and things like that. But then they turn around and say, dude, your dad is such a dweeb. What a, what a doofus. What, how do you, how did you grow up with that guy? I am looking forward to being that guy because at least it means that I was around and I didn't let that passion go. You know what I mean? So I, a little bit of a rant there to start off the episode, but let's get into it. Five games that all parents should know. And if you've got any games, drop it in the comments. Shoot me an email. Let me know what games are you playing with your kids that are really, really fun. But first one we play is called Pickups. Pickups with Arlo. And what it is is, with his toys, his toys are strewn about everywhere um, at almost any point of any given day. And so we wanted to create something to engage him with actively being part of his, not only his play, but his picking up after the fact and understanding that it's not something that is taken for granted. It's not a privilege. It's we pick up our shit and we put it back. And so a lot of this revolves around his ball pit. His ball pit has had the most staying power ever. If you've never seen or invested in a really small ball pit, like 200 balls, it's all you need. Anyone who comes over will love it. Um, and your kid will love it for probably a long time. But um, he'll knock these balls out 
fairly consistently. And so I've had to now see a chiropractor weekly because of the damage that picking up these balls has done. But we created pickups and pickups just means Arlo, it's time for pickups. And, um, you know, we kind of gamify how quickly can we throw the balls back into the pit? How quickly can we get things cleaned up so that we can move on to the next fun thing? Right. And so with, with pickups, you actively engage your child in, in the cleanup process, but you laugh and have fun and listen to music and make it part of your, your daily routine. And then what we saw was when we put him into daycare, his teachers were like, how are you teaching your child to clean up after himself? Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, whenever, whenever Arlo plays with toys or whenever we go to clean up at the end of the, at, at the end of the day, he helps us. And we're like, what the hell we have to make it a game and we have to basically force him to clean up around the house, but we're so glad that he's doing that for you. And so the ripple effect is that he's helping clean up and he's setting a good example for these children in class. Dude, that's a slam dunk for everyone. So if you're able to gamify your, your picking up after a day of play, strongly, strongly recommend doing that. All right. So number one's pickups. Number two, it sounds so simple. Peekaboo or hide and seek. You know, you can you can evolve into hide and seek once your child is a little bit older. We haven't gotten there with Arlo, but peekaboo is something that has made a ferocious comeback at different stages of Arlo's life and his development. And all it is is like he's closing his eyes and we sell into the fact that we can't see him. Whether we're changing him, whether he's in his car seat, you know, we've we've just picked him up from school, whatever it is, we go all in on him being hidden. And we it, I I know that I do that relentlessly because their imagination is growing and they're exploring these creative outlets. And when he thinks for that few seconds that we can't see him, he gets so freaking giddy and so excited that when he reveals himself and it is this revelation that he's still there, it sends him into a hysteria. He absolutely loves it. And I think that this is an easy game to dismiss as just being boring because it's boring to you. But remember, you need to put yourself in your children's shoes as much as you possibly can. And to them, this game is everything, right? So you have to take that responsibility and take that game seriously at any stage that you're able to play it. Because early on, you know, we play peekaboo with, um, you know, with very young infants and, and kids to kind of get them introduced to what games are and to have fun and, and bring a smile to their face or surprise them. But if this game presents itself later in life, don't take that lightly because you're helping their imagination grow and you're helping them create these areas and rooms and spots in their mind that 
would just be squashed if you just dismissed it as, oh, oh not, not now. Or I, I don't see that, honey. You know, we need to get out of your seat. We need to get out of your chair. Take that game so seriously because it's a big one. It's a really, really big one. Um, number three, I, I, I read this one online and I liked it. Haven't done it so much with our kids just yet, but one for you, one for me. We talk about how sharing is a completely foreign and it's it's not an innate trait in kids. And we as adults impose our wills and try to force kids to share when that is completely unnatural. If you go into the wild and you share every piece of food that you caught, you're you're dead almost instantly. So how is it that we expect our children who are one, two, three years old that pull a toy away or don't want to give up something that is in their hands, we expect them to just naturally do that? That's ludicrous. That's ridiculous. So what one for you, one for me does is you take something fun like marshmallows or jelly beans. Oh man, little man is so into jelly beans right now. It's frightening. He would eat a jelly bean if he was, if his feet were in a lava bed and there was no way he was going to get out of it. He'd still just pop in jelly beans right now. It's so funny, but you teach a child that, Hey, here's one for you. And then if you give them, you know, another one say, Hey, here's one for me. And, and you, you create that culture of sharing through, look, this is, this is what makes you happy. And the same thing makes me happy. And they see that behavior and they reinforce it. And I can't stress enough. Don't, if you want your kids to say thank you or say please, or something like that, do it yourself. Don't just force them in the moment. They recreate the behaviors that they're watching. And what was the great one? I I was scrolling. I was scrolling through. I trying to get to Disney plus for putting on a show and scrolling through and the remote just went wonky. And I said, ah, oh, what the, and I didn't finish the sentence. And then Arlo just under his breath, he's like, fuck. <laughs> I don't think he knew what the word meant. But I looked at him like, Arlo, what did you say? Just kind of stared at me. I'm like, Arlo, that was really funny. But I, I just want to know, what, what is it? What did you say? I, he's just emulating my behavior. I've been scrolling through and said, what the F before? And he just wanted to mimic it. Children respond to and they mimic your behavior so much more than you realize. And another one, we were driving home. And Alina was crying and we were on our hill that where on this hill, Arlo is notorious for falling asleep. And so we always reinforce and, and encourage him. We want to get him to his nap time or whatever it is. Arlo, it's okay, honey. We're so close. We're almost home. Just, you know, just we're a little bit farther. You're being so brave right now. And so Alina's crying on our hill. He turns to her and he says, it's okay, sissy. It's okay. You're brave. Almost home almost home. And he's like caressing her. Me and Julia are just blown away at this point. And we are, we, we're just, you know, grateful that he's mimicking this behavior. So with the game, one for you, one for me, if you are emulating and walking the walk with the behaviors that you're expecting them to do, 
that just opens that line of communication. And then they're seeing that there's like a little nugget of a reward and then everyone's happy. And then you reiterate to them, see, this this makes me happy. And one of our tenets of going to school, Arlo, try to make somebody happy today. Make one person feel good today. We always let him know that. And we, when he comes back, we debrief. Arlo, did you make someone happy today? I did. I played, you know, with the, the ball with this person. Awesome, buddy. Congratulations. Good for you. I'm so happy that you made someone else happy. So one for you, one for me is another great game. Game number four, dude, the parachute game. If you haven't invested in like a $60 little parachute that kids can unify around following directions, lifting up and down the same time. And then, you know, when you call someone's name, a kid runs in and tries not to let the parachute fall on them. Game changer. We've seen Arlo play this at daycare. We bought one for ourselves and are excited to have the kids play it. It is a huge developmental tool and it just leads to laughs for everyone because everyone's trying to accomplish the same goal at the same time. And we love that so much. We're all about team activities. We're all about how can we as a group unify to accomplish a task. And I think that that one is supremely powerful for teamsmanship, for not, not only teamwork, but developmental stages around listening and following directions. The parachute game is a tremendous one. Um, whether you get them enrolled in a class that has a parachute or you want to invest in your own, highly, highly recommend it. And then number five, it seems like another simple one, but maybe you just don't know about it. Puzzles, picture puzzles. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse talks about picture puzzle, picture puzzle. <laughs> Get puzzles that are two pieces that has a number and an item or a color and an item and get your children used to piecing those puzzles together. Massive, massive benefits for cognitive development. And it's just fun. You you sit down there and you've got all these pieces and all these numbers and you're trying to figure everything out. And sometimes you're struggling to figure out what's that next game that your kid wants to play? What can we do? Instead of just popping on a TV show, how can we use this time productively right before bedtime? How can we decompress and unwind our child before heading up? And these little puzzles are amazing for that. And they get so excited when they see, oh, that's the fire truck. That's that's the bumblebee. That's this, that's that, that's the color yellow. And it helps once again with them figuring out what items are, what colors are, what numbers are. And you all get to share that time together where you're not just plopping them down in front of a screen or doing something completely independent of one another and just expecting them to fill that time with um, you know, something that preoccupies their mind, right? We are the engines that help our children learn and grow and evolve. And these five little games are wonderful ways to do that, right? And yeah, you know, we've got basketball hoops. We've got, um, you know, we've got the ball pit. We've got stuffed animals. We've got the trampoline. We've got different things to interact with. But remember, you as the parent are what helps ignite that curiosity. And 
helps advance their creativity through helping them understand different things. Uh, kind of a bonus one, Julia always helps ask Arlo to help her cook. And we have these little cookware items that he stands in his chair and he's mixing eggs and has his hands in the flour. And, you know, he's, he's doing all these things and he's actively involved in making the dish. That's a game too. And that's so much fun for him to just, you know, get his hands dirty, interact with mom and dad, and just have fun doing it. So ultimately there's not only five games and you're going to learn different games at different stages, but at least now you have like a, a few arrows in your quiver to start with when your toddler starts, you know, developing more and just wants to be doing different things outside of your regular routine. So those being said, what games are you playing? What did we miss? Um, are there any other really fun ones that we could potentially teach our children here? Drop me a line at the Dilf show, connect with us on all our socials, spread the word, spread the love. It's all about growing and evolving and being better parents today than we were yesterday. And I love creating that, helping create that culture together with all you out there. So Andy Christopher, the Dilf signing off. I love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Go have a great one, folks.